0: Parker literally just lifted his head up from my bed when I started recording went and turning down. He's like, what? And then he just put his head back down. So he's like, okay, cool. You're not done.
1: I love that in our pre-show today, Parker licked the mic and I have my AirPod in. So it felt like your dog from afar was just like, right in my ear. It was very cute.
0: Parker's pursuing the career of an ASMR streamer. So this is, was his first <laughs> attempt at doggy ASMR. Just some sniffs, some licks, mm-hmm. on a microphone. He will soon be paying for his own his own uh, stake in this house.
1: Last night, I bought my tickets to the Car race that's in Southern California in about five mm-hmm. weeks. The Long Beach Grand Prix, super, super excited. I
0: bet it was a lot different price range than a Formula One race.
1: Love supply and demand. Um, Yeah, that's why I've been sitting on buying these tickets for a long time. Because for context, I'm about 45 minutes away from the Long Beach Grand Prix. Like, I don't even need to buy a hotel. It's just like an easy can-do activity. But I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And I pulled up the prices after similarly looking up the prices for like Canada and Silverstone for F1 this year. And I went, oh, I'm buying these right now. No, like hit by $30 paddock pass. Yes, please.
0: Unheard of. Unheard of in the world of Formula One. I mean, obviously, yes, it's not the same. It's different, whatever. But like just the stark difference of that. You could buy a paddock pass for $30 when that's not even like what the taxes and ticket fees would be for a like GA ticket <laughs> for an F1 race. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah.
1: but. but The Long Beach street circuit is really cool visually. And I just, and I know F1 raced there for about five years. I really, like, I if F1's going to keep expanding, please come back to Long Beach. I don't know if the track would be any good to actually race on, but it looks stunning. It is on the marina.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just, it's what F1 loves. I mean, give them another racetrack right along the water for some beautiful aerial overview shots. And as we'll continue to talk today, American interest is growing. And that means eventually probably more races in the U.S. So it makes sense for them to go where they've gone before. And Long Beach, California, not a bad location.
1: (laughs) Now, I understand they have one in Vegas. We probably don't need another one on the West Coast. But I will still campaign for it just because I want to have F1 in my backyard. That sounds awesome. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I got to agree with that. Although I would pitch for a New York race coming soon.
1: But yes. I like
0: Long Beach. It gives me an excuse to go back to California.
1: But something cool and F1 related about the Long Beach Grand Prix is they're putting on a historic F1 race. So there's like, a, I, I wish I remembered the name of the cars for profit oh, But it's... It's like a historical preservation society, and they're getting together a bunch of old F1 cars, and they're gonna race them on the IndyCar weekend. Like and they said, it's, out. <laughs> yeah, they said it's all gonna be cars from like the seventies, eighties F1 era. Nice, so, like, totally sick, right? Yeah,
0: very, very cool. You'll definitely get to see some really good stuff and get to steal. I mean, IndyCar will be a lot of fun no matter what. Oh, for getting sure. to see any racing in person will be a lot of fun and going with your mom will be great i think she'll she'll really enjoy
1: it too yes so my mom watches f1 with me she really likes it but has never gone to like an f1 race and i'm like ah this is an easy way and a much cheaper way to watch cars go fast Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. (laughs) yes definitely so
1: i agree i think she's gonna be overwhelmed but in the best way because it's Mm -hmm. loud (laughs) yeah
0: That sounds like any like first race experience is the first. It's like, I knew it was going to be loud, but like, oh my God, I feel my brain shaking inside my head. Like, how is it so fast? Even though I knew this, knew that the cars were loud and fast, but it's the most like (gasps) overwhelming, but also the realest piece when you're seeing racing in person is, oh, wow, it's really happening. Cause like that sounds so the same and different than it does on TV. And the smell oh i can smell the burning rubber
1: we had a race it's thursday so it's been four days have you have you processed everything yet
0: (laughs) not at all uh i have not processed that we've had a race and that we don't have one this week it was uh bahrain was a lot to just dive back into um aston martin's a thing
1: Oh my gosh! So we made a video on our any insert social media platform here because I, where I showed all the calculations of how much the cars have developed since Baku or not Baku Bahrain in 2020. Mm-hmm. That shows you how I'm feeling about this. The Aston Martin, the Aston Martin developed two and a half seconds. For context, the Red Bull developed a second. I cannot get over the fact that Aston Martin developed a second and a half more of lap time than the rest of the field.
0: (laughs) Aston Martin literally created time. Like they found some (laughs) machine and built time for themselves. It was crazy. The pace that that car had all weekend. I mean, we had saw it in testing and, you know, we were unsure with what Lance was going to come in with and We'll talk all about him later, but oh my God,
1: it was just coming, flying out of the gates. And, Aston was 7th last year, well almost 6. They were like a I, I I literally if I remember correctly, I think Lance needed to pass someone on the final lap in order to get P6 in the championship. I'm sure they're happy they didn't because of the wind tunnel testing time and it's not like they need the money. But I just I vividly remember that interview where they were like, "Sorry Lance, you didn't get P6." And he goes, "Oh, oh well." <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. yep, yep.
0: <laughs> but
1: in testing, we knew they were going to be improved, but they're a smaller team. They're not one of the big three. We kind of thought that that was all they had. Like, we weren't, you can never know exactly how much someone is showing or sandbagging, but mm-hmm. it was a fair assessment and did turn out to be true that the Red Bull was a lot faster than we saw in testing. And the Aston was about as fast as we thought. I just mm-hmm. don't think we expected the Ferrari or the Mercedes to not get better after testing.
0: Just not enough. Like, they did not get... It, there was not the improvements that we thought we would see or wanted to see from after testing. And in my opinion, at least, like, just from, like, post-last season. I I expected more from both teams in terms of development and... I mean, I I was expecting more teams to be like Aston Martin. Like, I was expecting this oh, to no. be, or not maybe not to the extent, but I just anticipated there being more competitive changes made, so it was, like, not as large of a gap as oh, gosh. there currently is. But I guess that's, again, me being too hopeful about yeah, the
1: offseason. <laughs> where's, where's our hope alarm? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, it's the second year of a regulation set. If anything, normally the field widens. I don't and admittedly, like, what we are seeing with Aston Martin is one of the most unprecedented thing unprecedented things to ever happen in Formula One. Period. If they keep this up, like there's a reason we have the big teams and the rest. And then normally someone one or two teams that are sad. But like <laughs> there's 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 a midfield for a reason. And teams don't break out of the midfield, especially not in the second year of a regulation set on a cost-cap system where no one can outspend someone else to get out of the midfield. Mm-hmm. Spend like, less money
0: and also make your car this way and also somehow get better while changing everything and spending less money. feel like Ross is like, yeah, well, oh, Red hey! Bull,
1: <laughs> well, Red Bull gets to spend the same amount of money as you and just gets to improve their car. So mm-hmm. I did some research to see historically if this has ever happened, period. And the only time a jump like this really has ever happened was at the start of regulation set. So a team like punted on a year and then got the next year's regulation set really right. And then like, I think it was 2012 to 2013 Mercedes made a jump and that's it. Like in the history in the modern history of F1, this has fundamentally never happened. It doesn't happen. F1 doesn't work this way.
0: And they're like, Aston Martin's like, here's evidence it does! I Yeah, it's exciting to watch. Not an Alonzo fan, so it was like I wish it could have been a lot of other drivers. I'm a supporter of Lance, so very happy for him. I'm excited to see just what is going to go down with this car the rest of the season. I think anybody is, but it was, it was an exciting race for like a lot of different reasons and points. And I think also just, I felt starved of an F1
1: race. (laughs) Give me all the racing content. Yeah. It was good to see everything back on track. I think that, I think this weekend will be a big test. Not this weekend. Wow, we don't have racing this weekend. I know know we already established that, but now I'm sad. Uh, Jeddah is a very different circuit. So I do think that there will be races where the Aston... Theoretically will be closer to the Mercedes than they were this weekend. Mm -hmm. There's been a
0: lot of uh, mixed messages when it comes to the W 14 and Mercedes as a whole. This is a painful conversation to already be having this early, but I'm unsure. Cause I feel like everyone's unsure of where we feel like Mercedes is this season. Is it just like blow it up and start over? Do we upgrade massive upgrades, little upgrades? Toto's, Blow the cost cap. I don't know what the answer is here, but lots of different words coming out of Mercedes in general. And I just don't know what to believe anymore.
1: Yeah. And then like in the mix, there's a bunch of reports from I'll call less than reputable news sources. And so I, I genuinely like my takeaway from Mercedes leaving that race is I have no idea what's going on. Can someone tell me what's actually going on? Cause just, just what? what, what, what's going on? Um,
0: but I don't think anyone is able to do that at Mercedes or kind of anywhere in <laughs> F1. There were plenty of moments this weekend that I was just like, oh, what, what's happening here? Uh, I made Sounds a, podium, like you have a of,
1: podium. Yes. I have a yes. podium of my yes. top
0: three. <laughs> uh, what moments of this weekend? There were so many that like I could have had probably a top ten, but I did. Lay, I did get it down to uh, just a P three to a P one.
1: Ooh, all right. Wait, wait. Let me give you.
0: <laughs> so my P three for uh, what's happening right now when. All of the carbon or all of the material was flying off Carlos's, uh, Charles's car at the beginning of Q1. It was almost immediately like, what is happening here? Ferrari can't even keep it together in the figurative and literal sense. (laughs) It was a foreshadowing of future events, uh, unfortunately (laughs) for Charles. Then we have for P2,
1: Lando making six pit stops. I we when we get to the misery corner of this like race discussion, I cannot wait to talk about that one. Just <laughs> so much happened
0: with McLaren and it it just felt, you know, commentators were not giving enough context. I'm just watching the all of the data tracking, and Lando is stopping so often. <laughs> Hey, he had Obviously, no tire too. deck. Right. More problems and things, but it was, again, I was just, uh, a what? And <laughs> to probably no surprise to anyone at all, my top, Uh, what's happening week? Uh, what's happening this moment of the Bahrain GP? SD Bestie's penalty hat trick. This boy got three penalties. Penalties on penalties on penalties. I, and then they just gave up. They just, they were like, we're done. We can't. <laughs> So, when it could not get worse for SD Bestie, it did. Numerous times. <laughs> and those are the three moments where I really felt like, a uh, what is going
1: on. Mercedes didn't make your a uh, what podium. Which reminds me of a podium I brought, though, that did involve Mercedes. Please share. <laughs> top reality TV show moments of the F1 weekends. Everything Alonzo said on the radio.
0: Alonzo <laughs> well, had a great radio. He really... It was definitely um, a little a little spicy this weekend.
1: P2. George Russell deciding that Max is going to win 100% of the races this year. Boom. <laughs> Boom. What a quote. What a quote. That's it. I'm not... And P1 of reality TV show Moments of the Weekend was Toto ending the Mercedes season before the race even started. It is so dramatic to just say, it's done, we're done, no more. <laughs> and all that had happened was qualifying <laughs> in a 23 race season.
0: Just sad. I just. There's so much time left. Everyone needs to just, like, take a breath before they speak to anyone.
1: I'm sure Mercedes is not as much of a disaster as the quotes are showing right now. Just, can we get the PR in line? So, like, there's uniform messaging, so I know what's going on. Uh, that's all I would ask for too. And
0: and yeah, it's context. It's for Mercedes, everything is failing. A P5, P7 finish for like any other team or for most teams on the grid would be an iconic, unbelievable celebration. But for Mercedes, it's, this is an embarrassment. So yeah, we, it's, it's a rough time to be a Merc fan.
1: So much of this race felt like most of the teams needed to go sit in the misery corner and just like, So we had McLaren that, like, Piastri retired after 19 laps. Lando had six pit stops, as you've already said. Esteban Ocon tied the most penalties in a race. Charlotte Leclerc had two faulty batteries, which I do not believe for a second is because a mechanic failed twice. This is not human error. I can't believe it's going to be <laughs> It's going to be race two And Charlotte Claire's getting a penalty Race two how? how? How do How do they do Which leads me to one of my favorite Podiums I have from this race weekend Least functional Tech bits Of the week
0: I to do <laughs>
1: P3, Ferrari batteries. Did any of them have their phones charged? (laughs) P2, just McLaren. Everything about the McLaren. Not even just the car, McLaren. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And P1, all the wheel brows. I don't understand how what? this is an issue through testing. <laughs> They're just flying everywhere. I think collectively everyone needs to develop better wheelbrows. <laughs> when I just went flying off the Ferrari in qualifying. Mm-hmm. Like, Again?
0: Again? Okay. What is that? What was that? Oh, there it goes. There's the car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> McLaren did no preseason testing because they decided to sit there strengthening their wheelbrows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I'm pretty sure um, Williams also had a wheelbrow issue over the weekend. It's just, I don't know what it is about how teams developed that part of the car this week. but yeah, It was,
0: it was it definitely really... <laughs> I, I don't know. It was it was falling apart everywhere, left and right, um, which actually leads to another one of my podiums, or inspired one of my podiums. I was keeping track of my favorite social media moments throughout the weekend, and they're race related. They're not, you know, oh race related, but lots of F one things. Um, oh so this have... is so
1: exciting because I have top social media team posts oh. for after you do top social media moments. Okay, so my top ready? social media
0: moments. Um, Honorary mention, Haas just utilizing K-Mag's daughter throughout that whole race. That little baby was so freaking cute. Uh, She was everywhere. So, honorary mention to her. Very adorable. Come to every single race. But now, my P3 social media moment, which did come after Charles was falling apart in Quali, comes from a tweet from Alphatari, where they tweeted about... The red flag and said, this better not happen every time Nick DeVries is on track. And I just know that as soon as that boy was signed, they had this tweet in the drafts waiting to go. And they literally pulled trigger on it as soon as they could.
1: (laughs) Right. It's almost
0: too fast of a reaction.
1: My P2 social media. Also, the joke has been made too many times just, like, on social media already. Like, it's no longer funny. No. You just get. Right. I'm just like, yeah, you had
0: this, like, in your drafts since the summer. (laughs) And we understand (laughs) that you got really excited that you could use it. But, like, wow. Really just lackluster. But it was just. Oh, my God. can't believe it. Uh, P2 for top social media moments. All of the vegas grand prix sparkly sequin jacket promo drivers continuing to wear it gunther continuing to wear it for all other interviews charles saying that he was told he's the only one being dressed as elvis it was corny it was cheesy it was vegas beautiful and my top favorite social media moment of the week is Formula One tweeting out the picture of George from the F1 intro on a green screen of him standing posed, hands against the wall, and say, do your worst. And he was just put in every situation. The user-generated content was crazy everywhere. And we're going to be seeing that meme of George for, I think, years to come.
1: I can't. I don't know who the new F1 account admins are. But thank you, because you've been doing a great job. Just just thank you. All right, this is leads me to, I specifically looked at top unhinged team social media posts. And then I also have top wholesome team social media posts from the last week or so, but you know, specifically the race weekend, you ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, P3. Red Bull putting the cat and bear dance just over a video of Max and Checo walking on their TikTok.
0: We like what Red Bull likes to be funny.
1: Right. And I also just like that they have two drivers that will not do the most for their TikTok. So the fact that it's just a video of the two of them walking with these little animated features, like jamming out in front of them. Perfect. Perfect. Um, P2. Just Fernando Alonso's TikTok. I know that's not a team, but we know it's run by Aston Martin for the most part. So Fernando Alonso's TikTok.
0: There's a lot just going on there.
1: Yep. Yep. Before P1, I did have an honorable mention for two non-team entries. One is just the Vegas Grand Prix. Mm
0: -hmm. We love Vegas. My
1: second... My second honorable mention is the F1 Accounts TikTok that put every bad thing that happened to Esteban Ocon under the sound, the Britney Spears Oops I Did It Again sound that just goes oops, oops, on repeat. I was so sure it was a fan edit. And I was stunned when I looked down and saw it was the official F1 account. Poor, poor Estefan. And that leads me to P1. The Mercedes TikTok post that said Toto's asking me to take TikTok more seriously, and it's just the Maxwell the cat meme over the garage, <laughs> had me in stitches.
0: Yeah, uh, it was great because I also imagined that being a real meeting that Toto was like, "This is an embarrassment." And I also don't think he's like watching it that closely, but like just the <laughs> no, idea no. of that whole. Interaction possibly happening, Hysterical. leaning into I'm, the characters, yeah, leaning into it, really, really leaning right. into it.
1: So, do you want my my podium for wholesome social media moments yes. of the weekend?
0: Yes, give okay. it to
1: us. Ready? P three. Everything with K Mag's daughter. Uh, P two. Uh, everything with K Mag's daughter. And P one. Everything with k Max's daughter. More specifically, her putting on the headsets. I love that! That was so big. <laughs> Yeah, there really wasn't a lot of wholesome... I mean, there's... Like, I could probably, like, Lance on this. Like, I think that was, like, a lot... There was a lot of genuine, wholesome Lance content, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't have been as funny for the... Really, it's just k Max's daughter. <laughs> it's k Max's daughter. Yeah, gotta lean into the joke. Um... All right i did you bring any other podiums of the weekend you wanted to yes I have, about before we wrap up race talk i have one more just because
0: it was some of my favorite quotes for the week re- weekend looking yes. at different radios different interviews post race press conferences there was just a bunch so oh, my honorary mention is a uh, is Alex's post race as soon as he finds out that he did get points in the first race. He is so happy and he's just it's all enjoyment and everyone is just like yay we did it. So we love Alex and the points. We love Williams and the points, but we really love Alex and the points. My P3 uh, quote of the week is surprisingly a radio from Fernando Alonso, but it is his. Comment at the end of the race talking about how Lance is his hero because honestly, after learning everything that Lance went through this week, he is also mine. Or last couple of weeks, it, it's unbelievable. So, shout out to Alonzo for recognizing Lance's effort, especially in that moment when it could have been all about him. My nice. P2. And I'm putting this at a P2, and it's not P1 because uh, I'm I am literally going to hope alarm myself, and especially after a lot of the discussion that we have, is Toto's quote from this past weekend of even if I need to push him, being Lewis, around the track to get to the eighth, I'm going to do everything that's needed. So again, all of this back and forth commentary all weekend. <laughs> This one was really specific, but also a great image of Toto. I'm imagining Toto literally pushing Lewis around in like a wheelbarrow. Um, exactly, because that's what it feels like. <laughs> and this is the vibe that I am also in. And my P1 favorite quote from the Bahrain GP weekend is post race press conference, Checo, it's nice to see three Red Bulls on the podium. End quote. And I'm going to leave that there, no further context. But my top three favorite quotes of the week.
1: One of the most fascinating off-track things that happens over a race weekend is the ability to get specific numbers around American F1 interests. And I think we hear from the F1 side how much that's growing and that's why companies are investing and why they're investing in more American races because it's such an important market and there's growth, growth, growth. And I know over the last four years, US viewership of F1 has grown astronomically for all the reasons that have been beaten to death that has been discussed. But I find that there's some predictions right now that, Viewership might be flat or like we might have hit a ceiling and no one knows if that's true. So for week one, I pulled some numbers on U.S. viewership. Uh, now, context to all of this, we don't get any F1 TV viewership and we don't get any viewership for anything that was aired only on ESPN+. Plus. So qualifying wasn't aired on cable, therefore I don't have numbers for it. So I'm just looking at race numbers year over year. And they were they were flat and it was 1.3 million people watched the race. But the stunning part of these numbers to me is that almost 50% of them, it was 48%, were under 50. And for comparison, the NASCAR Cup Series and the IndyCar race that happened that exact same weekend had 20% and 18% under 50 viewership respectively. So when people say that it's a young audience that is interested in and following F1, that's the number. It is unheard of that nearly half of the viewers are under 50 who are watching a race.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Again, it's for all the reasons that have been, you know, beaten and said over a thousand times. But, like, you're seeing the numbers. You are able to pull the numbers yourself and be able to see, like, these are the demographics that are watching. And 48 percent... Having your demographic in any area be 48% anything, particularly getting young people interested in something, like under the age of 50, you're speaking to a customer fan base that will be a customer for a longer period of time. Therefore, you get their money for a longer period of time. And this is the thing that... F1 people are like really missing the point on is it's not just that. Oh my God. Wow. Young people are interested in F1. Wow. Netflix. Wow. American viewership. Wow. 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 Okay. Great. All of that. Whatever reasons it is. F1 is going to continue to be profiting and making so much money in the long term just because of the gain in interest. If and you don't fumble
1: the back, but yes, right.
0: if they don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's very, very well, true.
1: And so in America, NASCAR is still substantially the most watched series they had nearly 4 million viewers for their Sunday race versus the 1.3 F1 had, but F1 had 70% of the amount of under 50. They had 800k under 50 and F1 had 600k. So, and this is again, not counting anyone on F1 TV, which you would, people who are paying for F1 TV Pro are like the diehards, the really invested group as well. So I'd be, gosh, it, if F1 wanted to share some of that data, please. Thank you. Thank you. I would just, I would be dying to see it. I won't even share it with anyone. I just, I just need to see it. But um, F1, if you would like to give any of your viewership
0: data, F1 multi viewer, if you would like to give some of your user data would
1: also love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so when, I think sometimes what is lost when they're just looking at the raw numbers they're like, well, they're not even close to NASCAR in America. Why is everyone talking about there being a boom? It's really what you're saying, Nicole, that the younger the viewership is, the theoretically, the longer they're going to be customer bases. So that's why companies are so heavily investing in F1 right now, because they want this young audience that is going to pay things <laughs> for and, 50 years.
0: Right. And like, speaking of companies looking to be spending a butt ton of money, in f1 espn this year renewed their sponsorship deal with f1 for broadcasting rights deal. for yes. broadcasting rights and since espn is now renewing their since espn has renewed that deal and it's more expensive previously got espn's been showing f1 races for like five million dollars a year since 2018 for those exclusive rights so obviously now very different pool to be playing with and their newest deal is until 2025 and ESPN is paying somewhere between 75 million to $90 million per year as versus the $5 million. So they're looking to ESPN is willing to spend more money to gain those rights. And then they're also now bringing in new sponsors to be promoting F1 on the ESPN shows. So Mercedes is not the Mercedes team. The brand Mercedes is sponsoring the, ESPN, F1 presence during races, post-race, pre-race show, presence of their ads. Everything on ESPN when it comes to F1, um, when it's live, doesn't have commercials. So it's not legitimate ads, but it's all ad placement. And also Heineken is going to be the representing sponsor for race previews and recaps and this is coming in as mother's polish has been the staple presenting sponsor for espn and f1 and mercedes is now coming in and replacing that so it's bigger i would argue to say more recognizable brands to the regular everyday person are getting involved in these platforms that are making f1 more exposed to the american viewership basis so not only is espn reinforcing their interest and wanting to like Maintain their power in the viewership rights of F1 in America, but they also are then using, connecting to other corporations and other brands that are also, if not already invested, want to continue being like part of the stage of F1 in America.
1: Yeah. Well, nothing shows a change in demographic more than going from Mother's Polish to big brands like Mercedes and Heineken. Uh, I think sometimes brands, when they advertise, they're like, oh, well, everyone watching a car race is obviously a car person. And I'm, I know that lots of people watching F1 are not car people. They're just, but I do know that they're relatively young and affluent overall. That's the general thing. So you're telling, so that sounds like Mercedes-Benz and Heineken beer. That, mm-hmm. that feels like two brands. ESPN did a great job selling those sponsorship rights. Um. They also have a new post race show. Uh, which so they're giving F1 again, because if they're investing all these mon- all this money into broadcasting rights, they want to supplement it. All of ESPN's show content is basically designed to funnel you to the live television. You know, whether it's NFL Live is designed to get you to watch Monday night football. <laughs> like all of their basketball shows are designed to get you to watch basketball coverage. Shocker. Um, but, so now they're investing in building those shows out for F1, including this new post-race show. Um, so I was wondering, I was wondering if I could say words and I could talk. I not I don't know. <laughs> I just, you know, like, when it's just, your tongue just uh. um, uh-huh. So I thought it was really cool, their post-race show, because it really just felt like F1 Sports Center. They had Spencer Hall go up and do power rankings. They, they talked <laughs> right, they had giant screens, Colin guests, they brought on F1 Tony. Uh, but it really felt like the ESPN treatment. And this is something that the space was really missing. Most of the coverage of English speaking coverage of F1 comes from England. And it's very British. And I watch a lot of that coverage, and I enjoy a lot of that coverage, but until I sat there and I watched an ESPN studio show about F1, I didn't realize how much this was missing in this space, because it just felt so normal. I was like, wow, I get this for every other one of my sports? Why am I not getting... Like, why don't I have Amina Kimes in F1? She's an NFL commentator, by the way, if you're not an NFL fan. (laughs) But, what were your thoughts about the espn show so okay,
0: i love espn on all the time it's literally it's on my tv in my living room right now because parker that's what i leave on for my dog when i'm not home it's always ESPN <laughs> on, basically all the time in my house uh so when espn announced this continued deal with f1 i was really excited because i just knew that especially with the larger investment in this deal that espn's paying more they're going to do more with it So I enjoyed the post-race show. I felt like it was so normal and part of my everyday routine. And now with one of my favorite pieces that the, like, finally, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this, like, platform to talk about it. Because I know that it's a good fit. I know that it makes sense to be there. And then, as you and I talked about, it just felt so comforting of just, you know, starting this race show and seeing... All the ESPN fonts and the ESPN stage setup, and just having such a familiarity with not only the content, but now seeing it where I've seen, like you said, every other sport I love, be applied to. So, as an American fan, being able to consume F1 in just the traditional format that I'm consuming the rest of my content when I feel like I'm already putting so much effort elsewhere to ex- like gain F1 content, just be able to be like. Sports center. Oh, there's 60 seconds about Bahrain. Like it's, or something like really wild. It's normal.
1: Yeah. It's normal. I do think this is a really big evolutionary step on F1's growth in America. I think we saw that drive to survive can only spark things for so long. And I think Like you need, then you need social content for people to access. And slowly F1 has been building out very social first content um, and the teams. And then if you want to reach more of an American general public, talking about it on SportsCenter and First Take and having a post-race show and having these things that the general American public are used to having for their sports content is an important growth step for just F1 in America. And I do think, going back to one of the original points I made when I was talking about U.S. viewership, there's a lot of predictions of, like, well, is this the ceiling? Can this grow? And I think this would be the ceiling if F1 wasn't working with their partners like ESPN to do things like this. You, If you were just saying, all right, we're just going to keep doing Drive to Survive, and we're going to keep doing the same social content we're doing, and that's it. And then maybe we add an American race – then uh, then we will be at the ceiling. But I think we're seeing signs all over the place beyond just ESPN that F1's like, no, 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 we're going to keep pushing towards an American audience. Can't wait to
0: one day be out somewhere and be able to say like, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, and like regular people or traditionally non-F1 fans aren't like, who? Because it's crazy that that's like, you can say just those two names and there's people in America who don't know who that is. But with names like that on... ESPN, then, like, it'll just become
1: in-house language. I want someone to text me, oh my gosh, did you see the video Lance troll posts? That's not me. Wait, I was more saying, like, a general, like, sports watcher. And it's been a big Lance weekend. So, as I was saying, like, I'm in, I have lots of friends and family who are sports fans. It would be wild if one of them texted me oh my gosh, what's going on with Lance Stroll? Because SportsCenter talked about it or something. That did not happen. But there was way more Lance talk than I am used to. I'm used to just being this like niche fan over here thing that's happening. My entire social media feed was first spending the entire pre-race and race debating whether or not he should be in the car. And then Tuesday he releases an incredibly vulnerable video about his 12 days to get ready for that race post-surgery. I, I'm i still like, it was just a very emotional, vulnerable video. And again, Lance Stroll is not a driver who puts that kind of content out on social media. I'm still processing what's going through your head. Yeah, before I had
0: sent you that video yesterday when I opened Instagram, and I'm like, this is Lance, this is a video of Lance. This is a long caption. Oh, this is the whole story of everything that actually happened and like the questions that everyone's been asking of what went down. And it was documented just so intimately and watching him go through all of the rehab, physical therapy and just the like medical procedure preparation, I I, I really admire him a lot. I just don't know how he did it. One of my best friends last year got into an accident, broke his wrist, had to get screws and everything. It's ugly. It was ugly. It's a horrible, horrible experience. And he was so limited in what he could do. And Lance is- Drove an F1 car, car, car. And drove an F1 car. When and I was, just wanted to be like, George like, Russell. Right. And I just want to be like, Lance, I, I, I am worried about you. I'm not going to, like you do, you are a big boy. You do whatever you want to do. But I was like, so nervous watching that video and knowing like, oh my God, look at him. He's now going to get in a car and drive. Like, I, it is unbelievable the determination that that video really showed that he had.
1: I, um, it really got me thinking about how, like, we don't get that kind of access to Lance normally. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't share on social media. And like, collectively the value that that has, the amount of people on social media who do not normally empathize or relate to Lance in any way, who were feeling those feelings because of what he shared on social media, it did feel like a moment of, uh, at least for me with my marketing brain, (laughs) of really seeing the value in being present on social media and the brands that drivers are building on it, From a driver who doesn't normally do that. Yeah. And it was... It
0: did feel like a shift. It was unique and special. I also was at the point where, you know what? Lance showed up. They said he was racing. He raced. And, like, at the post-race media, that, like, that was the conversation that it was going to be. But... It was clear that this whole situation was so impactful on Lance that not only did he want to make a statement on his own personal accounts in a way that provided a lot of information, whether he made that decision, people within his team made that decision. Also, just being able to acknowledge and bring attention to the medical team that helped him through the whole thing, because that's a huge, obvious piece of all of this, of the people that were also working behind him that were like, okay, you are this determination and crazy to be able to want to do this but we'll help you get there. So it was it was a real internal, different side of Lance that I have never seen, I can
1: say. Mm-hmm.
0: Totally different, did not recognize him. Definitely gave, um, gave him some extra brownie points for me. All
1: right, Nicole, time to wrap up the show for this week. First race, like post-race week pod. Post-race week pod, Oh good. <laughs> So, Yellow Sector notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Starting out this week with Ginger Spice's husband comparing Drive to Survive to Keeping Up with the Kardashians in Bloomberg, which is a sentence I never thought I would utter. Ferrari completed a tire test for Pirelli after the Grand Prix, so they just got home. Uh, There's so much information and misinformation coming out about Mercedes, so the only note I have about them is can someone tell me if everything's okay. Please, thank you. Pierre attempted to bond with Nico Rosberg over not getting along with your teammates. Husker Piastri was a camera for Google Maps this week.
0: Okay, this is, the McLaren-Google partnership is unbelievable. Everyone go check this out. This video is great. Oscar walks around with the camera on his head, and now you can also go into the McLaren HQ in street view. So, great idea, super fun.
1: Yep, it's on the Google Maps Twitter if anyone wants to find it. Uh, Alva Romeo had Joe react to an old video of him doing the naming with Charles on TikTok. He did look uncomfortable. Aston Martin's stock rose 22% on Monday after their podium finished, which is just wild. Nick is releasing merch soon. And finally, Williams development driver Jamie Chadwick was included in the 2023 Forbes 30 under 30. Congratulations, Jamie. Woo-hoo! And that is the grid walk for March 9th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today?
0: Uh, honestly, it probably felt as fast as Red Bull at
1: We don't even know how
0: fast that is. We don't even know how fast that is. So that is uh, it for this week, everyone. We want to give a big thank you, as always, to VoiceOver Man, F1 Multi Viewer, (laughs) and our four-legged executive producers. Make sure you have auto-downloads turned on. Rate and review the pod. It always helps us out when you guys give us feedback, what you like, what you love, what you'd like to see us try out. Extra special shout out to everyone on Apple Podcasts. Please keep leaving those reviews. We love to see them. Pretty, pretty, please. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, whatever is your preference, at Gridwalk Show for daily gridwalks throughout the week. And we will be back every Thursday, and we hope you join us. Ah, Today was kind of like a grid. Not a gridwalk.